it's important to always challenge people as well. When I came back, I, I did find it really, really hard to adjust to an all disabled person's school. I was just used to like, having so many friends and, and, that, and, that, and that kind of thing. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Michael, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I am fine, thank you, Brooke. I am very fine indeed, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm... So looking forward to talking to you today because I think there are so many things that you can speak about that will mean a lot of other people will learn from. And I think that that's like, that's what this is all about. It's yeah. a little bit of learning, a little bit of fun, maybe some good humour. So hopefully we'll get that out today. Hopefully so. Hopefully so, yeah. <laughs> so the first question that I ask every single person who comes on this podcast yeah. is... How do you refer to your disability? Well, I I don't actually say that I'm just disabled. I say that I'm actually impaired and that I'm only disabled by the environment. Mm-hmm. That I don't want to be de- de- defined as microbiome with cerebral palsy. I just would rather be just be called either physically impaired or just a disabled person really I think that's it's so interesting and the reason that I ask everybody that question yeah. is because we all refer to disability incredibly individually exactly and that is absolutely fine but um, yeah it's just where I always see myself I don't really want to be defined by whatever impairment I have mm-hmm. um I'll I'll, I'll I'll be honest, I didn't even know anything about a cerebral palsy in, until I was about 18, 20. Yeah. Um, I literally just didn't really, uh, all my friends thought I was a bit bizarre. Oh, they didn't even read up about it. But now I just, I I have, I don't need to know all the ins and outs of it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. for my girl, um, who is impaired. Yeah. And interestingly, cerebral palsy, what would what did that mean that childhood was like for you? Because as you've just said, you only started reading up about it when you were 18, 20. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the years before that were like. Um, well, I my dad used to work abroad in Saudi Arabia. So mm-hmm. I had a rather unique <laughs> experience. So I actually went to, dare I say it, mainstream school in Saudi Arabia, where I was kind of, I was there and actually included to some extent. So there was bizarre ramps and they um, gave it a a good go. And when I I came back to the UK when about eight or nine, I had to go to an or disabled person school. I don't okay. need the actual term special school. I don't really don't really like that term. Mm-hmm. So I was an all disabled person school. And I found that transition quite difficult 
told you to let this be mainstream school and lots and lots and lots of friends and stuff. But when I came back, it was I had a only had had a class of about ten other people. And you know what? Like when you're growing up, you might not like seven zero or I don't know, or or you might have asked out seven zero out on for a a day, and then 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 said no because it's such a closely tight you um yeah it was um quite diff- difficult and I didn't really ever want to be at the school that I was at I didn't have any any choice and then finally I got given a choice when I was 15 because mm-hmm. the discrimination act came into to force I'm showing my age now and that that um now I was given the opportunity of possibly attending a mainstream school and being rated mm-hmm. and having the same choice as a non-disabled student. But I decided to stay where I was and then just do another year at a mainstream college. Mm-hmm. And when I went on to mainstream college. That was when I really kind of how I, I developed as a person. You know, they compared mm-hmm. to the college, they treated me equally as every other student. So I still got told off for being naughty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was always late for everything, but I'm actually surprised that I was on, on time for tonight. But anyway, but <laughs> always late for everything. Um, and it just like, me so and then from then on I went on to university I got my degree mm-hmm. and then like the um, school I had went to did their best but and yeah I don't but if I if I if I was given the same opportunity that then really but when I was younger I could have or um should have done a bit better in my like GCSEs and that one and, and that kind of thing. So I mm-hmm. kind of think, you when know, I see a young disabled person now, I think it's great right that they're going to, you know, they've got a choice of schools to go to, and that and that also means that non-disabled students also get the chance to basically in interact with disabled people. At younger age, rather than yeah, segregated and all that kind of thing. So, I think we have come a long, long way. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was um quite interesting during my younger years. Mm-hmm. Like, because all my friends were at a mainstream school, I was at a different school. It was difficult to like maintain friendships, and you've got that old kind of banter you have on the way home or yeah. or, or I kind of missed out on that hmm. I think it's it's so interesting about how firstly that you went to school in Saudi Arabia which like absolutely blows my mind because like that's it, it's such it, it a was wild an amazing experience though. yeah um, exactly like such a I wild experience it. and and also yeah. a really unique experience as well because not a lot of people necessarily get that 
and then having yeah. having to move back to the uk in and of itself is like it's such a challenge anyway but also completely yeah. changing the, the scholastic system that you were used yeah. to you know going from mainstream and, and as you said to then like a uh disabled like a disabled school or, or yeah. for a school for people with disabilities yeah. and that whole experience must have just been like com- a completely well it's it's a completely different setup isn't it it's a completely different yeah. way of life because you've gone from one thing to to another and and, and the two weren't yeah. necessarily linked beforehand but now they are through you and that must have been like and, such an interesting experience and i think that is also where my first for travel has come from as well yeah. from being abroad in my younger years and um being able to socialize and learn like the different cultures and that kind of thing so yeah because i also lived in went to thailand and that when, when, when i was younger yeah. and so yes yeah, so it is yeah it is um yeah it is and it is important to always challenge people as well Mm. I came back. I I did find it really really hard to adjust to an all disabled person's school. Yeah, I was just used to like having so many friends and and that and that and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I just I just think your the whole experience from moving countries, moving schools, and then moving schools again at age 15, which is like a formative time for anybody, regardless of whether you're disabled or not, to then move again, super formative years, super awkward years for absolutely everybody. I don't care what you say, like every teenager is an awkward human being, regardless of whether they think that they're not, like they are, they aren't, they are. And like you, you genuinely couldn't pay me enough money to go back and be a teenager again. So again, it's like a lot of, what seemed like on the outs on the outside not necessarily always the biggest transitions but actually for yeah. you or or you know or personally they could be massively big transitions because you're going from one situation to another and then another one again and all of them you are still your your same and yourself at your core but the environment around you is changing and that means obviously being a disabled person like the environments again are completely different they're never going to be the same yeah. and having to adapt and adjust to that during those formative years must have just been like mind blowing <laughs> But I also think that also stood me in good stead for my later years. Yeah. I was able to adjust to different things that I've had mm-hmm. to like, be living independently away from my mum and dad. I've always been a bit independently minded anyway, or something mm-hmm. like seven. But I've, <laughs> I've always been like, really quite. Um, even when you when, 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 when I was 18, when the job will get on to later, I I said that I I wanted to employ my own support staff mm-hmm. and all disabled friends for I was bonkers to be quite honest. If I can yeah. say that they were like, oh my god, why do you do that? For you, you're so young. And I go, no, I want to start this off now, and now I. See them in there, kind of just starting their independent living journey now, and then them, some in their mid thirties or late yeah. But I've already had that eighteen years of kind of like of that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got this problem or that problem, or yeah, your person that I'm hiring, I'm finding it 
difficult and they're like having to live, live it in their middle late 30s but I've already dealt with all those problems yeah. later teenage lives so I've got that kind of knowledge and that experience that I can like utilize and yeah I think it is always fascinating when talking to people who have a disability and then they choose their career to also be somehow related to disability and I'm wondering how has your disability and the way that you've gone through life impacted your career choices and what you do now so I I when I first started to have an interest in employment and stuff so back in my youth bro it, it, was, <laughs> it, it was it it was called um self-operated care support scheme awfully worded that's a mouthful no i know try saying that when you're the few too many gins but then they then changed this to direct payments which is what is known as now which is when you manage your own just in case people don't know is when you is when you get your money from the local authority and then mm-hmm. you manage your own care and support. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do that when I was at college. Mm-hmm. I only I only got about ten hours a week. Yeah. Then, then I set me started and then the um, I had a really, really, really brilliant social worker mm-hmm. and she assisted her name was Barbara, a very social working name. And um, she said to me, um, <laughs> she said to me, Michael, I can see your real passion at Africa. Go away and do whatever you want to do. But mm-hmm. I can tell you that you will, you will work for the company called Spectrum, who, mm-hmm. who are like, basically hard sell people and we go and support other self-people I let us tell for you're crazy I wanna I wanna be in an 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 IT programmer that that, that was yeah. where, where the money was back in the day. And then anyway, so long long story short, this disabled person called Rob Robert came out to see me mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety nine to tell me about everything there was about payments and like what it was, it was, it was like the pros and cons. How I thought, oh, this is awesome. It's another disabled person who's in his late 20s. Mm-hmm. How, like, the real life, yeah, how it is really, really not somebody who's not disabled, you know, just, yeah, somebody who's been there, done it, yeah, he's mm-hmm. made um, <laughs> mistakes, he's made some good decisions, bad uh, decision anyway so long story short I then went off to university I couldn't get a job in this sector that I went for mm-hmm. and I ended up getting a, a job where about 10 years later where Robert was who who told me about the payments he then uh, well, well I wouldn't say he gave me the job because I got it fair and square, but I then became a manager of, of a registered of personal assistance. And then from there, I learned how uh, everything that there is to know about access to work, mm-hmm. and, 
reduce your funding or social care will. And therefore, we don't really kind of, I, I would say that I'm a disabled person. I'm not a naturally born employer. Mm-hmm. I don't be an actual employer. You give me a choice. I would yeah. be an actual employer. But I've only got two options. I either employ people or I have a care agency. And for me, I don't really want a care, <laughs> care agency. So yeah. my, that's my only choice. So mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, you know, I see all these these training of opportunities now for disabled people and um, employers, and but there's no, there's nothing around kind of resilience. Like for example, last night I had a phone call half an hour before my PAs were meant to come in to work. Mm-hmm. Their car had broken down on the way. Yeah wouldn't be able to come and see me or to help me in, in, into bed. And it's about how you kind of deal with that situation now. And if my 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 brother lives lives a hundred miles away and my mum and dad are now a bit too old now to help me out. Yeah. So how how you deal with it really? I think it's so interesting what you said about how you're not a natural born employer but these are your choices and I think that's something that everybody kind of needs to take on is that actually you're almost forced into this role if you require help because not all disabled people require forms of help but if you do require help that is you're suddenly all of a sudden forced into this role where you, you do become an employer and and actually, you're right. How do you handle that situation if someone just can't turn up or doesn't turn up or, or like you had last night, someone yeah. tires, doesn't work and they just they just can't get to you? How do you handle these situations? And and actually, it's a really important conversation to have because on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's a massive deal. But actually, underneath, it, it is quite a big deal to teach disabled people yeah. resilience and, and how to how to do certain things by themselves, but but on the flip side, also ask for that support because a lot of people are afraid to ask for support because it's seen it can be seen as being weak, but actually it's completely not that way at all. No, 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 no. And, and I think it's okay to ask for for some support if you need it. But mm-hmm. I always think it's better to have it from another disabled person. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really what I'm a great advocate for, of peer support for. Like Robert, kind of, he was never self person yeah, sold me the idea of direct payments. And, you know, and I, I know, but obviously, the author was real with me as well. He said that the actual two choices you have, I, I won't swear, but. I, are, are not brilliant, shall we just say. They're rubbish. Mm-hmm. You have a care agency, mm-hmm. you've got an employer, or you go into residential. There's no real mm-hmm. kind of, You can have a halfway house where you have part agency and part, like, do it you, 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 yourself. But, um, yeah, that never really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. I just think it's um, the choices that, 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 that we 
have and I don't regret my I I don't I love every bad choice you make. You kind of learn from it. I made tons of bad decisions when I was yeah about 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And I like employing people. For example, I employed one of one of my best friends, and that is a definite no-no. You should never employ your best mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what manager then? So the, I I will um. Just say now that like we are not best friends now. Let's just say that. And I know, you know, when you re reflect, I see that people like hire their like sisters or their brothers or their best friend, and they sit. I I I tell them like you need to think about that line where like. And there, and there, and there, and there is a line, but it might be great because it is, it's, it's easy to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bro, I did it because it was, it was easy. I didn't yeah. do the, the actual. And then when it's easy, yeah, I found that most of the time it doesn't. Sometimes it does work, and then fair play to people who who it does work for, but um, yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't work, and then the actual effect of that is, you know, how the ricochet effect. Because then, yeah. my then, my then other friends felt awkward around my best friend, so they then didn't become friends with him either. And it was all a bit me, all a bit me. Mm-hmm. well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I never have, but I had to make that mistake to learn from it. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to you a bit about your disability and inclusion training that you do because I think that this is such a fascinating topic because so many companies ask for it and so many p- companies can get it wrong yeah. but there are some people who do it and some people who do it very well and you are one of them and I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about how that came about and, and what what essentially you you'd go in to talk about so it all came about because of um, Prezo Gate. So um, <laughs> I was waiting for this. I didn't yes, know when to bring it up. <laughs> there we go. So um, Prezo Gate is um, the reason why I I I went viral in 2021. Um, just for a little story, I was sat outside Prezo, other restaurants are available. <laughs> but um, I was sat outside Prezzo and I wanted to go in. The ramp didn't fit the door. And long story short, I ended up having a pizza in the, in the rain because um, the head was open. I couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. And I put my little 10-second video on Twitter and overnight like, it was just bonkers broke it was just yeah I, I wasn't prepared for it and looking back on it I should have been a little bit more another mistake I made with it I should have been more a little bit more prepared for in in those 10 seconds you had me eating pizza in the, the rain they had heaters bizarrely behind me but you had the rain ricocheting off the yeah. 
the smoke and then the then the then but to be fair to Prezo, they handled it um really really well and through spectrum who I work for and we um we were given the opportunity to train them and then from then on I then went on to do um talks in Wales and other places and just around just just around how you can include disabled people and how we're not scary and also how if we get it right we are going to, we're going to be a loyal community mm-hmm. so uh, we're more likely to go back to you if you do get it right so and that is what I do I don't just go around and I just I like to think I point out the obvious, but to non-sensible people, sometimes it's not obvious. Yeah. I, I, I do get it, because it was my best, when I was practicing, my um, my best friend said, well, it's the similar thing to you, you don't really know what it's like to be non-disabled as well, though, if it's a kind of flip side. So yes, mm-hmm. kind of Talk them through the social model and um, why I um, why I don't like certain charities. Dumb charities are fine, but I don't add a whole like the charity model of disability. Mm-hmm. I took the the um, the undateables, for example, and I yeah. want to say like, how do you uh, make Everybody watch one episode. I mean, it's talking up to me about how they think it's marketed. Um, you know, what is the you know what what is the impact of that program on them? And I was yeah, I said yeah, that men and women holding up signs saying that they are undateable. Um, would they like if that were the non-disabled person would that be yeah acceptable and yeah. then like those kind of things so i'd like to um yeah like to do that uh have a few kind of videos and talk about the difference between accessibility and inclusion because they are they're different because you might be accessible but you more that doesn't necessarily mean that you are inclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I generally do in my little thoughts, really. And then I, then, um, yeah, to, and, but I also say that disabled people, controversial, bro, bro, disabled people can make mistakes as well. Yeah. Right, so therefore, like, yeah, um, Fredo gave me the example they, they had an assistance dog that it is quite funny that um, that stole a burger off the table next to them. Yeah. And the owner of the assistant dog refused to buy them a replacement burger. Okay. So I said, Well, they're like, well, how did well how would you deal with it? I went, I would just say, Well, it's your dog. It ate, it ate the burger. 
Stick to your people on this team call. Just look at me like I was absolutely the worst person. Yeah. <laughs> you never, you can't say that. I'm a, why, why not? I mean, yeah, they, if they if they knew that they, they were going to arrest um, their, their poor doggy clearly hungry, so they should yeah. have a bit more before they come. It's important. So, so therefore, you know, the nice little burger. Apparently, they, they even ate the hair at the bun <laughs> as well. So going crazy, having a good time. Well, you know, I bet that I mean, this is what like equality should be like. I said mm-hmm. that you can't have it like both ways. So yes. I was in London the other day, and I, I was in in a queue for to go into Westminster and this man came up to me and said, oh, do you want to skip the um, the um, queue? Mm-hmm. And I was like, but why? Because oh, you're a wheelchair user. You can come, but, but that just means that I'm, you're allowing me to skip the queue purely because I'm, I'm a wheelchair user. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't even raining. There was just... <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, and then that goes back to the yeah, like the way that non-disabled people think sometimes towards us that we need as the way of you know whatever they they want to do that they need that we need to like you know ship you. Then sometimes you know, but in my younger years. I, I I would take advantage of that. I don't really mind yeah. admitting that. I, I I some of the things that I did when I was younger, I now totally cringe at. But mm-hmm. um, but you know now I'm a, I'm a bit older. I'm like, oh no, yeah, can't really do that now. But um, so yeah, so no. But that in itself means that you've grown as a person. I think if you look back at yourself and look at back at like yep. what younger you would do, and you're a bit like, oh god, and it like it does make you cringe, but maybe it makes you laugh a little bit as well. It it just goes goes to show that you have grown as a person. And and actually, what I really liked about what you were just talking about about going into companies and and talking to them is is particularly what you said about the undateables and particularly how it's marketed, because for me, I when I watch or have watched that type of program, it's very much disability for entertainment purposes. And I think that that yeah. is very, very, I actually think it's a, a incredibly problematic for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But something that I, I really take away from that is that that's the, then the perception that people are who are non-disabled, who don't necessarily have all that much contact with disabled people. That is the experience yeah. that they're getting. And then, from that it sets a precedence for how to treat disabled people yeah because that's that's the only like interaction even though it's through media that's the only interaction people are gaining and that is so problematic because there are so many times on that tv show where things have been sensationalized or people have been quite clearly wound up is maybe not the right word but put into quite a stressful situation that causes them a lot of distress and that is being shown as entertainment when actually it's actually yep. really difficult watch, particularly if you are disabled, and, and also particularly if you are, if you understand the type of disability that is being portrayed at the point in time. Exactly. 
it's it's just a hot like as as an entire concept incredibly problematic like i, I personally hate it <laughs> yeah i don't like it because and you're talking to like yeah i don't want to i don't want to like do this whole debate around the rosie jones documentary but even that has split the whole disability community in like literally a half. Literally in half. There are I, two camps. Oh, well done. Now, now you just made my job like my own personal job of saying, oh, don't use that word. <laughs> yeah. Don't even say it, but don't use that word. And now you're, you're using it on a mainstream TV show. Thank yeah. you. Cheers for that. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad, though, that you said that about how it split the disabled community in two, because I was having this conversation with another disabled person who happens to be a really good friend of mine. And he said the exact same thing, that he has only seen two opinions of it. And there doesn't seem to be any wavering from either side of the fence. Like, this is something that it's, it's literally a parting of the Red Sea. Like, Rosie Jones has somehow magically become Moses and has parted the Red Sea. And yeah. like the camps are not mixing. There, there's very, very stern viewpoints on both sides, both of which are completely applicable. And yeah. I just, it's going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those things that I think is debated about for a very long time. It's not going to be something that just goes away overnight. But it goes back to Daniel, doesn't it? That I think yeah. the whole disability thing is, is when I start my sessions, I start with language, mm-hmm. and companies always say to me, "Why is that your biggest section?" I think language defines you as a society or as an organisation. Yes. If the language right, then you're going to get the whole ethos right. You're going to get everyone else on him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I could talk to you for forty minutes about about the social model disability, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be real to you. Not not going to be tangible to you because you're not a. Uh, you know, there might be some people in the audience I uh, do take that who have hidden impairments or, or anything, but you want it to be tangible to the majority of people. I, 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 I do have quite an interesting debate about even the word cripple, for example, that has also fitted the the um the um the disability community a little bit as yeah. well. And even with my bed my 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 better friends who I'm seeing on Friday um, we have both very different opinions on it. she says that the disability community owns that word mm-hmm. so it's okay for us to actually Jeez, use yeah. but I would say that I wouldn't want anybody to shout it at me down the actual street whether or not you're disabled whether or not you're disabled or not or not disabled yeah. And therefore, if, 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 if I don't want it to be shouted at me down the actual street, then like, why, why, why have it in the fair place? So, um, that's only my own personal opinion. And also, I think it's important for you to know the actual history of the word. Yeah. Uh, so it actually comes from the word creep. It has and uh, it has, you know, relations to begging um, in, you know, in, so I just think, yeah, I, I just think language de- defines us and it's quite important that, you know, disabled people, non-disabled people 
can get it right as much as they can, really. And recent events, like a certain documentary, has um, has been, um, yeah, shown it to be even more important, really. Yes, because it's opened a can of worms that are not going to go back in the same can that they came out of. No, no, sadly not. And you know, I yeah, because now I get asked, like even my mum and dad, be like, did you, what did you think of that TV program? I'm like, and then you have to have, like explain to them. I'm like, I'd rather talk to you about like what 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 is the best. Pub to go to with that right? <laughs> about, you know, thinking documentary on a um on a um on Channel Four, but unfortunately, you no, know, it is what it is, isn't it? And um, what I do for job, and I do take on board that, and and when it, I'm, I I first knew I I first knew about it when. My Twitter feed just literally just blew up overnight, and I'm yeah. like, oh, "Oh no, what's this?" I didn't even you know. I then went to the Disability Expo to do mm-hmm. a talk, and then they all the then the the night before it, I decided while people were talking about it, I might well just watch it and yeah myself, and I just about made it to. I just about watched the whole thing, and um, she did have some good parts to it, but I just think it's just the title of it. It's just it good. You didn't by by using that title, you're appearing whether you know what you did or not. It's entirely you don't don't get myself sued, but it looks like. Potentially, you're targeting a section of the disability community. Potentially, just using that title for your documentary. Yeah. Yeah. If I was say, you know, Michael Grimmett, am I a bold, going bolder headed man? <laughs> then, then you probably think, oh, he's there. He's targeting a um, boldy headed man. They're not getting bolder or something. Mm-hmm. I think we're using that word that is used in as recently as the eighties to 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 describe people with certain impairments. And I just think it was a bit silly, really. But now I it was like when we had in my day, um, it, it was Joey from. Blue Peter, who went on to Blue Peter, he had a speech impairment, and mm-hmm. and therefore anybody with a speech impairment throughout their whole life during school got called Joey, and it wasn't then it was because I don't think Blue Peter kind of discussed the issue or what they wanted to do, kind of thoroughly enough on that program in the late eighties. Yeah. And yeah, and I think this is a similar thing where I therefore oh it's really, really good to have a program about disability. But they need to think about it a bit more, don't they? But really I think it's it's such an interesting one because 
I can understand all the hoops that were jumped through to to uh, to first off even create this program. Like the amount yeah. of work that has gone into it to get it to where it needs to go, particularly on a mainstream channel, particularly at the time of day that it went on at. Yeah. All the hoops that would have been jumped through to get that were absolutely astronomical, particularly for somebody with a disability, particularly highlighting the problems within the disabled community because those conversations are not had and they're not something that we talk about very unless you are in the disabled community you don't necessarily know the issues that are, are in the disabled community and, and that's like most yeah. communities as well but but this is one that actually is inherently problematic for every single disabled person regardless of, of what your disability is like you could have yeah. two completely pe- different just people who've got completely different disabilities and they're still affected by this yeah so on the one hand i can completely understand all the work that went into creating this because actually phenomenal amount of work phenomenal amount of like cheerleading and pushing forward and actually kind of quite progressive however on the flip side exactly what you were saying about language problematic and it's our and you're so right it's our use of language that really defines a who we are and what we do and what we stand for and it's just it is it is problematic because it split the disabled community so in half and neither side, and I think maybe this is because we're disabled people, I don't know, but nine times out of ten, most disabled people I know are uh, defiant, to, to use a nice w- way of putting yeah, it, yeah, yeah, very yeah. defiant. And, and, yeah. and that means that neither side particularly want to listen to the other side's issues or their, the benefits of it, because each one believes wholeheartedly that their viewpoint on this is is the right one because it's so personal even though it was like a very broad and generic topic it's actually an incredibly personal one for for most disabled people so i think that there's there's a lot to contend with surrounding it and and actually i'm kind of just taking a back seat from it at the minute and taking it all in because i'm still formulating my own opinions my own ideas how i think and feel about it but i'm very much with you that i think the use of language really defines who we are as people and I'm a big believer in that, you know, as soon as you open your mouth, you're telling the world exactly who you are. And, and that goes down to your choices of words and your choice of language and how you speak. So what does that say? And is it a good way of saying what you want to say? Could could other words have been used? Could other phrases, other choices of language, syntax, whatever, could that have been used? I don't know. I don't have any of the answers. These are all very much my own opinions. Yeah but it's a fascinating one to kind of sit back and, and watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where really, I am with it. <laughs> sure is. I, I, yeah, I can, yeah, just even just looking through Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, my word, it literally, it just, you know. It's, She's it's, become it's, Moses. She's parted the Red Sea. And, and in some respects, I don't like I don't like the actual title. I don't even like the, the, the documentary. But the, the little tiniest, tiniest consolation that at least it has caused debate within our community, apart from the usual stuff that we debate about, which is benefits and tax <laughs> and reductions and how we gonna protest next. Um, needless to the a little bit different. I don't agree with it, but at least it's you know something else that I'm being asked about rather than to be honest, social care stuff or you know, stuff like that. So yeah. 
Very true. So moving on from this topic, because this is quite this this topic could go we could honestly have a whole podcast. I know, I know, yeah, yeah, a whole podcast. Yeah. But I like to ask everybody, do they have a piece of advice for a younger version of themselves? And what would it be? Um so I would say learn people management skills mm-hmm. quite young. And um I had to do it through experience probably not the best way to do it. Yeah. So I always um so when I first went into my first kind of visit to see somebody in their office they had an an Ian Drury poster and it has stuck with me to this day. Mm-hmm. I nineteen years old. And it said um with Ian Drury on on stage and in and it had this quote of disability isn't about being brave. It's about being organized. And, and, I, and I've always remembered that actual quote because it is actually so so true. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I, 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 people say, oh you're so brave. I'm, I'm not brave. I just have to be I, I hate spiders. So therefore I'm definitely not brave. Um, on honestly, the biggest dilemma I had was there was a spoiler hanging down above my bed the other day, and I was thinking, "Oh, day, do I would pass out? Do what do I do about that?" I literally rang <laughs> my friend up at about half past ten at night, and I'm like, "What was that? Is it uh, never cool, mate? What are, what are you stuck? Why are you like no?" And no, there's a spider above my head. Not too sure what to do about it. And she was like, <laughs> are you joking me? Mate, I can't think. What happened if it falls within my ear or something? I can't, can't do it. No, and a baby in my ear. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. And she was like, Michael, you're bringing me up. I said, no, I'm... Yeah, I know, but just, you know. <laughs> Go sleep, it's fine. Um, I don't know, but um, no, they're, 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 but it's really you have. I think that people have to be so so organised, mm-hmm. and you do have to have a kind of like a kind of like crystal ball kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, I have like I built a kind of sixth sense where I know that being very. With my support staff or with funding, where things might enter a tricky period, and it's about how how you face that. Because I'm the worst, the worst person in the world at putting things off. So mm-hmm. I, will, I will just put things off and maybe just scan BBC News or do something that means that I don't have to do it. Like I'm meant to be appealing a a car park is fine, and I can guarantee you that I'll leave it the last possible second to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, so I would just say it's about be, being being organised, um, and then life is a lot better. And then what I mean is, yeah, I have to be organised by like, keeping up a spreadsheet or anything, but you have to be organised with what you want to do with your life. 
Yeah. So, so I have kind of if I'm allowed, if I'm allowed to say it on your podcast, I can edit it out. But I have what um, all of my staff and my friends say, I've got um, trackhead energy. It means that, which means that uh, that I am literally like everywhere. My head is like, oh, uh, that I'm honestly now thinking about. I'm talking to you, but I'm thinking about what yeah. I've got loads of things. Like, oh, if I want to swap somebody's shift during the weekend, that so I've got all of that in my head. Yeah. And, but I'm the least like I've got a. My desk is always like piled up with paperwork, um, but somehow, but in my head, and how I explain things to people is mostly, I'm mostly organised. I know who I want to have on my roster for next month. I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. But it might not be your way of being organised, Brooke. I, but it's I guess, your way. But it's my way. And then all my friends are how do you live? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, we got like diaries and calendars and I have got a diary. But I don't like, keep it up to date. Like, Michael, well, we want to meet up with you for lunch. And then, uh, no, you can't do that. No, I'm meeting somebody else. Don't put it in your diary. Like, yeah, I know that, but I've got it in my head. So, yeah. Fine with it. So, yeah, and I, just think it's about all stuff people should find their own way of being organized really. Mm-hmm. And then and then but the moment I'm not organized, bro, is when that health of cards fall in, so you'll go and uh, somebody will you know be sick and I won't have any backup or unfortunately somebody will leave and although I've kind of guessed they might leave. Um I've not really kind of been organised enough to find a re- replacement and or like even going right down, I know the way down to be geeky, but having like spare spanners in my bag if I ever if my chair ever breaks down yeah. um, and there's stuff like that. So I know I now learn that like, bizarrely I once got a puncher in in um, Brussels Zoo, I was in Belgium. I, I was in the giraffe section, and somehow I was sat with uh, admiring the giraffe. I heard this massive popper got a puncher in the middle of the giraffe section. Oh it was hilarious. And like, this random repairman came out to see me, and he went, oh, you know what, if you had a spare set of Right, to, right, tools in your bag. I'll be able to change your industry for you, but you haven't. So you just gonna have to sit here in the giraffe section until <laughs> my yeah, with my with my family. I, I actually I had to go back and find the actual tools and then bring them back. It was nice to spend four hours with giraffes, but um. It wasn't how I wanted to spend my my holiday. So um, yeah. so I always say it's about being like organised and yeah, having backup plans, right? So because we are disabled people, and yeah. we we don't fit 
into this world societal norms that's that's a fact that's not that, that's not just like a common that's like an actual fact yeah i wonder what type of bizarre questions do you get surrounding your disability because lord knows all disabled people get some form of weird and wonderful questions about their disability and i was wondering is is there any in particular for you that come up and you either laugh when you hear it or you think oh my goodness not not this one again well i i don't really get that many myself mm -hmm. um i i thought like being generalistic people who talk to my personal assistants rather than me yes I, I think that is like that's for two reasons that i think that is like out of fear maybe i know that and that but that's, that's like not not ignorance it's just like lack of education mm -hmm. so the people who don't encounter disability incorrectly assume that you you can't you know even communicate or do anything for yourself i don't really get angry when you say oh you just need to be a bit better educating and like people have a have a have a fear i think also saying no to say disabled people as well mm -hmm. so so i think they always go to the non-disabled person uh, first and sometimes they don't, they don't want to look you know politically, politically incorrect yeah. so they're in there i don't think you know um then now i don't I, I did have one funny moment where i was um at a supermarket i won't name them and um <laughs> there was this i was in the checkout and the person behind me you know and First, they like, tapped me on the chair. Like, all right, you're right. You're like, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Do you want to ask you a question? I thought, oh, you probably want to know why I'm in a wheelchair or something. And then they kind of went, do you know Dave? I went, Dave. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't know Dave. Who's Dave? She went, what's your name? Michael. Michael, you must know Dave. I went, well, I do know some of them Dave. You know, they give me a surname. Dave is what Dave is what a popular you know, name. There's, there's even a TV station named after uh, yeah, the name. She went, Dave so and so. I went, no, I don't know. She went, but you must know him because He's a wheelchair user as well. And I was like, do you know, do you know my mate, um, Catherine? She went, Catherine, no, no, no. Well, you must know her because she got auburn hair as well. And and then, like, the whole, like, checkout people behind me were just laughing. But the actual person didn't really know what what was funny. And that is what made it funny was, I just think that, um, yeah, you all got to, I think that you've got to be quite, um, quite witty when you're a disabled person. There's yes. there, 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 there two ways to think about it. You would be serious and be upset about it. And mm -hmm. I think that all depends on your mindset as well. 
Because everybody had a bad day, bro. Whether yes. or not you're disabled, not disabled, whatever you are, however you identify, you can have a bad day. So if I was having a bad day, that poor woman would have had her head ripped, <laughs> ripped off by me and she would have probably had a courgette that I had on my lap thrown at her and I probably would have been arrested for selling <laughs> market for throwing a courgette at somebody. But I was a quite light-hearted mate and quite mischievous and that, that was... I just always say to people, you know, like the best way to deal with stuff is to deal with humour. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and then, like, you know, and then, then that also then settles down the other person as well. But if you're going to get angry with them, then you don't really achieve much. It makes you upset, as in me. It makes mm-hmm. them upset. And you've not actually achieved any anything either. Because you want them better, better, bit better educated, don't you really? So, and that is what is what about. Yeah. I only have one final question for you, Michael. But I, I've, I've got to say, I've really, really enjoyed today's chat. It's made me laugh in yeah, so many yeah. different areas, and I've had such a good time. My mm-hmm. final question for you is, Michael, are you disabled and proud? I de- definitely, I am proud of who I am. And yeah, I like to think that being, you know, this, 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 this disabled has defined me and actually bizarrely given me a a career book. So, <laughs> so it's all right, you know, so it's not, there are, there are sometimes, but not so great, but generally I am disabled. I'm definitely proud. Thank you so much for giving up your time this evening to be on the podcast. I have absolutely loved this chat and um, I can't wait for people to hear it. Like, I think this is going to be a really brilliant episode. So thank you so much. Thank you, Noah. Thank you so much as well, Brooke. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.